I'm Sharon Betters, and I'm with Mark Inc. Ministries, a nonprofit organization dedicated to producing and distributing resources that offer help and hope to the hurting. You are listening to one of our stories in our Warrior Woman audio library, a series of interviews with women who have experienced challenging life crises. Each woman fits the definition of a warrior because she faces her challenges with faith, grit, and determination to experience purpose and joy, no matter how fierce the battle. While every person's story is unique, we are confident that these stories will help equip you for your own life journey, no matter what your circumstances. I'm in the studio today with Renee Dixon. Renee is Executive Director of Freedom Hills Therapeutic Writing Program, located in Port Deposit, Maryland. As Renee's story unfolds, I'm confident that you will agree that Renee is a warrior woman whose own determination, endurance, and grit encourages the very people she is called to serve to face their own life challenges in a similar way. Renee, thank you so much for your willingness to be here in the studio today and to share your story. Well, thank you for inviting me. I'd like for you to share with me as though we're just sitting at a kitchen table, uh, learning about one another as we've already done as friends, and share with our listeners a little bit about your story, especially your growing up years. Well, when I was two years old, we moved to a farm. And at that point, I had a wonderful mom and dad. But when I was six, my dad passed away, leaving my mom with a 156-acre farm. My mom was a city girl and didn't really know what she was doing, but she had an amazing father who came down, and and through the week he would help work the farm and then go back to his real job on the weekends and then come back and help work the farm again. So you grew up on a farm. Yes, I did. And so as a farm girl, you were exposed to animals and especially horses. Oh, yes. I was big in horses. In the very beginning, I was afraid of them. I didn't like to ride quite as much as maybe my dad had wanted me to. (laughs) But as I got older, part of the way my mom kept the farm was some rental properties. And we had some gentlemen that were in the Navy who came and stayed in one of our rental properties. And they kind of took me under their wing as their little sister. And they started us horseback riding again. And from then, it just flew and my love for horses began, and I was in 4-H, and that's what I went to college for, believe it or not, was equine studies. Is that right? So it seems like even though you lost your dad at a young age, that there were men in your life who were strong role models. Absolutely, yes. And then uh, you were married, and you had a family. How many children? Two. Two, yeah. boy and a girl? Yes, a boy and a girl. Did they share your love for the horses and for farming? Well, they both did for a little while. My daughter is still, at age 26, a big horse enthusiast. Um, She actually competes against Olympians, which is really exciting. Um, My son rode up till age five. (laughs) And then at age five, he was going to be in a horse show. And he woke up that morning and says, Mommy, I don't want to ride anymore. And I said, Well, honey, you know, that's your choice. I would love for you to ride, but it's fine if you don't. And I'm sure there's some other adventure that you would like to take. That's a pretty good parenting tip right I try there. Hard. <laughs> yeah, that's good. So along the way, you started Freedom Hills Therapeutic Riding Program. What, what is that? Uh, we teach, it's a therapeutic riding program where we teach people horseback riding who happen to be mentally, physically, and or emotionally challenged. Uh, we also run uh, another program where they don't ride the horse, but they do horsemanship which helps them to build confidence. I imagine you have lots of stories that you could share oh, about many. <laughs> people whose lives have been transformed by the 
bad kind of therapy. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But on the 25th anniversary of a, a celebration of the of Freedom Hills, something happened that turned your life upside down. Yep. Why don't you tell us about that? My husband had been sick for a very long time. And the night of our 25th anniversary, he passed away. And I hate to say that I was actually at the fundraiser. Um, he had liver cancer, and we had thought that he was going to live at least another two weeks. And I know that, you know, God doesn't have our timetable, but I was depending on that extra two weeks. So it was, I went to the fundraiser, I came home, um, some, his brother and sister-in-law had been sitting with him. And when I got home, he was sleeping on the couch. And I thought, Oh, well, he's sleeping, yeah. Um, And I was sitting there reading a magazine waiting for my son to come home. He had helped with the fundraiser, and they had gone out for, like, a late breakfast kind of thing. And I was sitting there waiting for him to come home, and my husband started breathing weird, and I thought, oh, this isn't good. And I called 911, and they talked me through CPR and first aid, and, and I tried, but, you know, it wasn't successful. And he passed away that night. How old were your children? My son was 13, and my daughter was 15. And how old were you? I was, uh, let me think, 25 years. I, I was 45, and I homeschooled my children, and I had 26 horses that were taken care of, and I had two riding programs that I was running. One was a therapeutic riding program, and then one was, quote, for able-bodied people. So, you know, you get up the next morning and you got to do what you got to do. And It's interesting you say that because our granddaughter loves horses and she wants to get one someday. And we were talking and I said, you know, when it, there's a blizzard outside or if it's uh, yep. 110 degrees, you have to go out and take care of your horse. You got to keep that in mind, not just in the springtime. I imagine that's what you were faced with, that even though your husband was gone, you still had to get up and get going. Exactly. Now, I have to say the first week right after he passed away, I have some amazing friends, and they helped with the farm work for the first week. But once the first week was over, then it was back to work, back to the homeschooling and back to taking care of the horses and teaching. Now that you're a widow and you're by yourself with all this responsibility, what were some of the emotions that you experienced I felt like, Lord, here you've left me with all this work by myself, and it was overwhelming. Were there any times where you felt as though the grief was just going to take you under and all the responsibilities? Um, I I can't say that it really got that far. Uh, Through all of my adult years, I've had a strong commitment to the Lord, and, and I love the Lord with all my heart. I met Him when I was in college, and I would spend a lot of time in the Word even before my husband passed away. To be honest, my husband was an alcoholic, and he had been in 19 different rehabs before he had passed away. The great thing is he had spent one year at an amazing rehab, cost me $35 for the entire year. Uh, is a mission-driven rehab that was all Christ-centered. And then we had a really good year after he got out of there. But, you know, what you do in your past, whether you know the Lord or not, can take toll on your body. And that's why he he passed away from liver cancer. Um, I'm telling you that story to say that the Lord has helped me through everything, that he has been, he's been there through the really hard times and he's been there through the really good times. 
I spend time, I try to spend time in my Bible every day. And so he was always my source of encouragement. I think it's really important for you to share that about your husband, because sometimes we can talk about our relationship, our faith relationship and spending time in the word. And it sounds kind of like Pollyanna. Yeah. You know, it doesn't sound like real life. It doesn't sound like it could really mean anything in the hard places of life. But what you're describing is a lifetime of hard places. You're a credible witness to the fact that a relationship to Christ is critical Absolutely. to getting through those hard places. I tell people that if it wasn't for Christ, I would be nothing. I'd be a little puddle, puddle on the floor. As you were experiencing this flood of responsibilities and the flood of taking care of your children. As I was thinking about our time together, I remembered a quote by Ann Voskamp uh, in her book called The Greatest Gift. She says, every flood of trouble remakes the topography of our souls, making us better or bitter. Every trouble is a flood. It sounds like you've had lots of floods in your life and we can either rise up or sink down. And, you know, you're just, you've just described a life of floods coming over you. But how, you talked about spending time in the Word, but how does He speak to you through the Word? How has He spoken to you through the Word of God? And when we say the Word, we're talking about the Bible, and we're talking about reading Scripture, reading Psalms. What, how do you know where to read in the Scriptures? How have you known where to turn? Well, a friend told me once that I should spend... Every day, I should spend time in Psalms, and I should read Proverbs. And then I had started, I've, written, I've read my Bible many times over. Um, a few times, I've started at the very beginning and read all the way through. Uh, I read the Word, and then I'll sit and listen. Our prayer time is extremely important, too. You know, a lot of people will say, oh, I've been praying about this, or they'll come and say, would you pray for me, or something like that. And... In a nice way, I try to remind them that if you want God to help you, you need to build a relationship with Him. Just like you and I went out to lunch one day and we had a nice time getting to know each other, well, if we didn't do that, we wouldn't know each other. So it's so important for people to spend time in the Word, spend time on their knees, and spend time with praise and worship. And and describe what that looks like for you. Someone is listening right now who is um, thinking, I, I need to do that, but I don't even know where to start. Well, I would start with a good Bible study. You know, go over to the Christian bookstore and say, hey, I'm a new believer or I'm an old believer, but I haven't been studying, and have them help you pick out a Bible study to do. And that way you're guided. The Bible study will tell you which scriptures to read, and then my favorite Bible studies have questions. So you'll read the scripture and then they'll say, okay, now what did you think about that? Or they'll ask you a question and you have to dig a little bit deeper into the word or deeper into yourself to answer the questions that you have. And then I think you mentioned music. Did you worship music? I love praise and worship. Praise and worship is, it's the ultimate because it really gets you in to the presence of the Lord. So explain what you mean by praise and worship. Well, in church, now it's kind of funny, I go to church every week, but I teach Sunday school, eight-year-olds to, actually, it's like five-year-olds to 12-year-olds. If I went to a regular worship service, I, I just love when you get to join in with 
the people who are the band and just start praising and worshiping and, and lifting your hands to the Lord and just getting into his presence. Um, but I still do that when I'm teaching my children too. So I'm teaching them how to praise and worship the Lord. Um, if I'm in my car, I have on the right radio station. Uh, somebody said to me the other day, do you know that song? And I said, I'm sorry, but I don't listen to secular music because I want my brain to be filled with good thoughts all the time. When I'm riding my horse, I'll be praising the Lord. You'll walk into my barn while I'm feeding the horses, and you'll just hear me singing away. might not be something you want to hear. <laughs> I never say I'm the best singer in the world. But the Lord says He loves a joyful noise, and that's what we need to do is make a joyful noise unto Him. Also, in those hard places, if you, you know, when I'm having a hard time and I get depressed, and yes, I do get depressed, I can rely on Him, and I'll, I'll just start singing. And as I'm singing or as I'm quoting scripture, he just lifts me out of that hard place. And it might not lift me out of my hard place, but he'll lift me out of that mindset so that I know that I can focus on him again. So your attitude, it's a lot about attitude. It is all about attitude. You wake up in the morning and you have a choice. Every morning you wake up, you have a choice to make. And you can either choose to praise him for what he's given you, or you can choose to complain about it. But let me tell you, it's a whole lot more fun going through life praising him than complaining. When uh, shortly after the death of our son, Mark, he was 16 years old and uh, he died in a car accident along with his friend. And of course, I was felt like I was losing my mind because of the grief that I was experiencing. And um, the Lord reminded me of the journal that I had been keeping for the past year in particular. And so I pulled it out and started reading it again. And I was amazed at how God had prepared me without me knowing it for this season of life. Um, I mean, even to the point where I was praying very specifically for our son, Mark, and the Lord telling me to hug Mark and Dan, his brother, more than I usually did. It was a really surreal thing for me, that moment. And even though it did not diminish the grief... It gave me hope that the Lord was very aware of my circumstances. You shared with me a moment like that in your life. Uh, Why don't you share it again? Well, first of all, I have to say journaling is so important. I also journal pretty much every day. I try to. Uh, And when you're journaling, you put in the get, the good times and the hard times. But one day, uh, I'm into power walking, and I was walking around the farm, and I remember coming down to this one path. And the Lord said, Renee, I want you to take the hard path today. And I said, oh, Lord, the hard path is too hard, and I don't want to take it. And when I talk about hard, it's up a big, big, big hill. And it was a little bit muddy, and I'm thinking, Lord, I don't want to take the hard path. So this is a literal hard path oh, of walking. Oh, a true hard path of <laughs> yeah. walking. I had already probably walked about two miles around the farm, and, and he's going, and I want you to take this very big hill. And, and I argued with him, and I said, I don't want to take the hard path. And he says, yes, you have to take the hard path today. And I'm like, oh, all right, Lord, I'll take the hard path. And as I went up the hard path. It was very hard, and and it wasn't easy to get up, but there were these roots that were kind of had surfaced, and I could use the roots to help me get up this great big hill. And when I got to the top of the hill, the Lord spoke to me, and he says, Renee, he said, life's going to get really hard really soon, and it's going to be a really hard path to take. He said, but just like, I'm sorry, I get emotional, just like I gave you those roots to help you get up the path, He said, I am going to be with you every step of the way, and I will help you through the path you're about ready to go through. 
And then what happened? Well, and and then, you know, my husband, as I said, had been really sick, and then he passed away. And and it's just like life just was like crazy. I still had two children I was homeschooling and 26 horses that I was taking care of and two riding programs I was running, one of them being Freedom Hills, which is a nonprofit. So I'm out fundraising all the time. And then an, quote, able-bodied program. And so you had told me that your home was in, in disrepair, that because of your husband's illness, there were a lot of things that you weren't able to keep up with. So when you think about all those practical needs, it sounds like you needed a miracle. I definitely needed a miracle. Our barn was in disrepair. The house was in disrepair. When the wind would blow, my um, windows in my bedroom would blow out. (laughs) So I'm like, Lord, what am I going to do? I know you have a plan, but what is it? My husband passed away in April, April 1st of 2007. And life goes on. And I was doing riding lessons and taking care of the horses. And my daughter qualified for Pony Club National. She's quite the amazing rider. And I packed her up, her and her horse. We headed to Kentucky in July. She went and competed and did quite well while we were down there. We came home. And the day after I came home, my secretary that I had at the time came up to me and said, Renee, have you checked your email lately? And I went, oh, Lynn, it's summer and I have dial-up. None of that says check your email. And she said, Renee, Extreme Makeover Home Edition has has been trying to get a hold of you. And I said, oh, Lynn, really? And she knew that the TV show Extreme Makeover Home Edition had been my favorite show. And every Sunday night, I'd be watching Extreme Makeover Home Edition, seeing them help somebody. And she goes, no, really, they have. And so that night, I went home and I checked my email. And there was an email that said, Extreme Makeover Home Edition is on a mission to help one deserving family in every state within two years. Because Maryland is such horse country, we would like to help a family related to a horse therapy program. Do you know of any? It was totally God. Nobody had applied for us, and we hadn't applied. And at that moment in time, I was the most needy therapeutic riding program in the state of Maryland. I know that because I helped start our state umbrella, Maryland Council for Equestrian Therapies, and I'm very active in that. And so I know what's going on in the state. The other miracle of that was they could have, as when they were picking a state for the horse part, they could have picked Kentucky or Texas or New Jersey. All of those are way more horse country than I think of in Maryland, but they chose Maryland. Wow. And so then that began the process of them choosing you oh, and yeah. Freedom Hills. And I imagine that was an up and down roller coaster kind of a ride. It for was you. crazy. It was da- absolutely like being on a roller coaster. I got the email on a Monday. I answered it. I told him my whole life story. I have nothing to hide. By Thursday, we were on the phone talking, and he said, Don't worry about doing a video. I'll come out and do your video for you. The following Wednesday, which was probably the first Wednesday of August, he came out, flew out from California to do the video. And at that point, I said to him, JD, I said, you've seen how much my family has struggled and all that we've been through. What are the possibilities of us really winning this? Because my kids have suffered enough. I don't need to have them suffering through some big ordeal and then we lose. And I said, could you just send me a postcard that says, loser? (laughs) And he said, Renee, because we share the same faith, I promise that I'll call you and let you know. So weeks went by, and he would call me about a lot of stuff and ask me a lot of questions. And 
one night I was at Denny's with a friend, and we were having a salad right after church, and I get this phone call, and it was JD, and he said, oh, Renee, I just wanted to let you know. And I thought, oh, well, you can't lose something you never had. And he goes, you're in the top five. And I jumped up and down, and I said, Tina, Tina, we're in the top five. We're in the top five. And that was crazy that that happened. But we didn't know if we won or not. And then he said, it's a secret. Don't let anybody know. Oh, no. So Tina knows. (laughs) Tina had already text messaged the church secretary. Oh, dear. (laughs) At that point, we went to a church that had about 800 to 1,000 members. Oh, my. They put it on the church website. But, you know, God is amazing, and it all worked out fine. Now, I have to say, as we were talking about the roller coaster ride, one minute I'd think we had won, and it would be going like up, 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 and the next minute, I think that we hadn't won. And I just kept relying on the Lord for everything. Philippians 4, 6 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in all things, through prayer and supplication, give thanks unto God, that the Lord will give you the peace that passes all understanding to guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. And that's how I'd been living, and that's how I continued to live, was just relying on the Lord for everything. And so the final outcome was that you were chosen. Yes, uh, ma'am. And, and what, did, what was the end result of that? Well, on October 14th of 2007, my children and I were sitting at our house. Um, at that point, there was a production manager with us and a sound guy, and we're just sitting there in the morning talking about soccer and horses. And all of a sudden, the production manager got up out of his chair, and he went to the door, and he goes, they're here, they're here, run, run, run. And I went running out the door, and there were hundreds of of people in my front lawn. And the door is about 12 feet out of the ground. And when I went out to the porch, I looked down, and they... I couldn't see Ty, and I turned to the left, and I ran down, and there was Ty, and and I ran right into his arms, and he said, Renee, you've been through so much. How have you been able to handle this? And I said, but I couldn't breathe. I could hardly breathe because I was so excited, and I said, I'm a Philippians 4 kind of woman, (laughs) and he said, Philippines what? And my son goes, Philippians, and then I quoted Philippians to him again about being anxious for nothing. Well, so the with Extreme Makeover, you were able to go forward with Freedom Hills and the nonprofit part of your program. And tell us a little bit about that. What happens for people with disabilities when they come to Freedom Hills? It depends on their disability, but we look at everybody as, quote, able-bodied. You know, we have to be careful. Safety is the very, very most important part of the program. But getting people four strong legs to be able to move around on is also the key part of the program. We've had people who happen to be paraplegics come and ride with us. We've had people who are quadriplegics. A quadriplegic is somebody who has no use of their lower or upper extremities. We have this really cool lift, and we use the lift to get these people out of their wheelchairs. We move the wheelchair out of the way, and then we lower them down onto the horse. And once they're on the horse, that horse gives them those four strong legs that can take them wherever they want to go can imagine that you've had some pretty moving moments with some of your, uh, I don't, I want to say clients. I don't know what I you call them athletes, athletes, That's some of right. your athletes. Yeah. Is there a, a, one particular story that is especially meaningful to you? We have one young lady who at age 17, perfectly able-bodied person, great athlete. She was into rowing. She also was into swimming. And in January of her 17th year, she jumped into the swimming pool, dove into the swimming pool, and broke her neck. And 
when she came back out, she's a quadriplegic. It took her a couple years to find us, but when she first finally came to us, her goal was to be able to walk across the stage to accept her diploma from college. She rode with us for a few years. She rode two to three times a week. And by the time she graduated at age 22, she was able to walk across the stage. Now, she had a walker, (laughs) but she was able to walk across the stage and accept her diploma. So giving her that opportunity to, like, become one with the horse and strengthens the muscles and gives her confidence and gets her her balance back and that sort of thing, that must have been a very moving moment for you. It it was amazing. To see that. I I was invited to her wedding a couple years after that, and she continued to ride with us until she moved to Florida. So she she rode with us about five years, probably. And at her wedding, her mom and dad supported her as she walked up the aisle. But then she, when she got married, then her husband, she was able to just walk back down the aisle on the arms of her husband. So but there were a lot of tears in oh, that. Was I'm there sure. ever? <laughs> yeah. So as you think, I mean, as I'm picturing the people like her who are desperate for help and hope, I think about your own life and how your own journey has pressed you into this outreach. How do you think your own life journey has prepared you to offer help and hope to people who come to you with such great needs? I know about hard times. (laughs) And so when I counsel somebody, or we have quite a few people who ride with us who have mental difficulties or emotional challenges, and even uh, people who are struggling with their marriage, you know, maybe I have a friend who has is has a husband who's suffering from alcoholism. I can speak to them from my heart, and I can speak to them from my background and what I've been through, so that they're not looking at me going, well, you're giving me all this advice, but you don't know how bad I'm hurting. And I can look at them and say, oh, honey, I know how bad you're hurting, but I know that I serve... Uh, here we go again, I'm getting emotional. I know that I serve the awesome God of the universe... But he also, when I asked him, came to live in my heart. And if you will ask him to come and live in your heart, you can rely on him like I did, and he can get you through your hard times. What would you say to that woman who is struggling or the widow? You've you've talked about the importance of a personal faith in Christ. Are there any other practical things that you would say to that woman who is just doesn't know how she's going to make it through the next day? Well, my practical things to say is we started off in our interview is you got to spend time in the Word. You got to get to know the God that you need help from. You need to spend time in the Word. You need to spend time loving on Him, praise and worship, spend time in prayer. Get to know Him. Because once you get to know Him, then He, you give Him the opportunity to be able to work through you when you learn scriptures then you have the opportunity when times are hard, you can rely on those scriptures to get you through the hard time. When Satan, and he will come, and he will tell you, you can't do this. And he would tell me, you're going to lose your house. You're going to lose your riding program. You're going to lose everything. And I would just think to myself, oh, God, what am I going to do? And then the Lord would say, Renee, you know what to do. He says, be anxious for nothing, but in all things through prayer and supplication, give thanks unto me that the Lord will give you the peace that passes all understanding to guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. And that's a promise that he gives us. If we're willing to spend time in the Word and spend time with him, he's got promises 
that he won't turn his back on us. You're really describing feeding your heart and your soul and your mind with truth. Absolutely. And what is going into your mind is what's going to affect your behavior and your choices. So that choice between being bitter or being better when the flood of anxiety comes over you is in your hands, is choosing who are you going to trust. Exactly. The the heart that's terrified or the one who's promised cast your cares on me and I will be there with you. We hear about women, people come to me and say, oh, I'm so worried. And worry is a natural way to go, but the Lord doesn't want us to worry. And he says in our in the word, he says, cast your cares upon me because I care about you. Well, if we spend time in worry, we're hurting God's feelings and we're actually sinning. So when that worry comes, you just got to put it aside and replace it with a scripture or replace it with a Bible song. But if you spend time in worry, it's just, it's not going to make you better. <laughs> it's going to hurt you. But when you get into the word and you spend time with him that you can renew your mind, then you can walk out and be, you can be a warrior. I think one of the things that we miss with uh, the broken places of life is the opportunity for us to experience those treasures in the darkness that Isaiah 45 talks about, God giving us treasures in the, in the darkness, riches stored in secret places so that we will know he is the Lord our God, the one who calls him by name. And so the, the broken places could be the very conduit to experiencing more of that love and that intimacy with Christ that you've been talking about. And I think that that is a hard choice to make when you feel like you're drowning because we're, we want to be in control. We want to take care of it ourselves, but to make a choice to say, all right, Lord, you've promised that you're not going to leave me. You're not going to forsake me. I'm going to have to walk by faith, believing you're not going to break those promises, that he is a promise keeping God. Renee, as we wrap up our time here together, is there anything else that you want to make sure and share with listeners? Well, I have to, another practical thing to say is, because you're probably listening to us and you're thinking, oh, well, she's already a strong woman of God. How, how could I ever get there? Well, a friend of mine told me one time, she said one time that my husband was in a rehab. She says, Renee, it's okay to take a few minutes of a couple of hours and just scream into your pillow, you know, just let yourself be depressed. Let Because that's reality. I asked her one time, can I have the weekend? Can I just take the whole weekend to be depressed? And then I promise I'll be over it. So when Satan's bothering me and, and things just seem very overwhelming, I will take a few minutes just to say, oh, God, this is horrible. That's okay to do that, but you're not allowed to live there. And then you have to pull yourself back up. You got to get back into the word. You got to start renewing your mind, and then you'll be fine. You know, it was amazing to win the extreme makeover. I said, but I can't promise you that the Lord's going to show up with Ty Pennington and you win an extreme makeover for your house. But what I can promise you is if you ask Jesus into your heart and you make him Lord of your life, that he will give you mentally an extreme makeover and he will help you through everything that comes about. I think you raise up a very good point that uh, God is not afraid of our questions. He's not afraid of our doubts. He's not afraid of our anger. He's not afraid of any of it. In fact, he invites us to beat on his chest. Um, he tells us to come into his presence and 
to be transparent and to be honest. If you look at Hebrews chapter 10, where he talks about coming into the presence of the Lord with confidence and then leaving with confidence that he is going to keep his promises. And and those of you who are listening with Renee, I can speak to how hard this is sometimes. And it's a constant war when your life is falling apart and your heart is broken. And so, but it's always coming back to him. It's always coming back to him and he can take it. He can take you beating on his chest. He invites you to give him all of your doubts and all of your fears and all of your sorrow and anger and questions. He's not afraid of that. And as we close our time together, I know that Renee would want you to know that his love for you is waiting and that as you come to him with those horrors and those heartbreaks, that's not a sign of weakness. That's actually a sign of strength because you're going to the one who can heal your broken heart. As we wrap up our time together, I want to say again that my name is Sharon Betters, and you have been listening to a resource produced by Mark Inc. Ministries. Our goal is to offer help and hope to the hurting through stories that are transparent and real and honest and always help turn our hearts back to the one who can heal our broken hearts, and that is Lord Jesus Christ. You can learn more about Mark Inc. Ministries by going to markinc.org, where you will find a very large library of audio resources that you can listen to for free or download for free. Each one of these is a story that addresses a life crisis that is often very difficult to experience and often is experienced in isolation and uh, aloneness and is also uh, often an experience that is hard for others to know how they can help. And so our stories typically meet the needs of two audiences. The one who is suffering receives encouragement and help and hope by Uh, listening to someone who's further ahead in life's journey, as Renee is further ahead than the new widow, or it is also uh, an equipping tool for those who love that brokenhearted person but don't know how to help. So you've heard a lot of that today in Renee's story, and you can hear much more um, in other stories where we address topics such as adultery, uh, the loss of a loved one, we have addressed, we have developed a series for military families called Coming Home from War. We have stories about raising children with special needs. We talk about terminal illness. We have stories about living with multiple sclerosis and chronic illness. We have a series that is just for young people as well. So markinc.org is the website and we hope you'll visit and we hope that you will let us know if there's anything that we can do to help you.